It is another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Rob Cassidy. Dave Lackford joins me for a second week straight. What was going on with the music? You chose the intro music. Where did we get that? Oh, uh, that's from my man Odin Smith from Pennsylvania. <laughs> another Philly guy, huh? Yeah. What is going on? Are you blowing into the microphone? What's what's happening here? What happened? Are you are you outside in a windstorm? What, 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 what's going on? No, I just got back in the house from the carnage that's going on in Louisville. They're out here. They're flipping over cars. They're robbing banks. They're 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 burning uh, Brian Brom jerseys erroneously. <laughs> it's crazy. I saw that online. Somebody somebody did burn a. Did they know what they were doing, or did they think it was Jeff? I don't know, man. Louisville's a basketball school, especially now. So. <laughs> All right, so then let's just jump right into it then. What what's I mean, I think one of the topics last week was what if Louisville misses on Jeff Brom and we talked about that a little bit last week. Now we can get into the reality of the situation. They have missed on Jeff Brom. He of course announces that he'll be returning to Purdue next season and Louisville is kind of stuck holding the proverbial bag. What's next there? Who knows? Um, they push their chips into the center of the table, and um, Purdue just, you know, big bank takes little bank, and that's what happened out here, man. Um, I it, It's just been crazy the last three, four days. I haven't slept much. Uh, I've been burning through my iPhone battery trying to find out what's going on. I've been taking calls from everybody, um, and they are – they're left scrambling. I, I wrote in an article today about um, Neil Brown, and I, I said, you know, this is basically, you know, Brom choosing Purdue is basically a right cross to Louisville's athletic department's lower mandible. It sent the mouthpiece out flying. It sent the body hurling to the canvas in the first round, man. Uh, they're going to have to pick themselves up off the mat and find someone that can stop the bleeding. I mean, think about this Louisville team for a second. This is a team that had the Heisman Trophy winner two years ago and were ranked number five in the playoff race by the college football playoff committee. And then this year they go two and 10. They lose nine straight games. They're getting blown out regularly by 50 points. I mean, Bobby Petrino came in here. Um, he, he lucked into uh, Lamar Jackson, who was sold to Bobby Petrino by his uncle, Lamar Thomas um, uh, of the, you know, of the famed, the U lore back in their glory days. And um, he had to basically tell Lamar Jackson to rearrange his huddle video to show some throws in it just to get Petrino to take him. Um, and he basically covered up all the warts on this Louisville team, um, led them to, you know, an, uh, a nine win season and an eight win season. And then once he leaves, it just all goes downhill. They've been sucked into a, a vortex of ineptitude and um, they're they're just in ruins right now, and I think that's a big part of the reason why Brom decided to stay at Purdue. Uh, I've, I've talked to numerous people, uh, people inside the program, uh, various media members at Purdue and here in Louisville, and ultimately the decision just came down to um, it, it wasn't necessarily about the money. Although I, I'm hearing from a Yahoo report from Pat Forty and uh, Dan Woken that. Uh, they they sweeten the pot to six million dollars a year. Now I don't I don't know the numbers haven't come out yet, but that's the preliminary report. Uh, I heard Louisville offered five, but from my my sources, you know, close to the situation, it was a, a family decision. Um, a lot of the family wanted him to come back to Louisville, but Brom wanted to stay at Purdue and uh, build what he has started there. Um, he didn't want. You know, guys transferring to Louisville, following him. Um, he's he's built up a lot of goodwill and love out there in West Lafayette, as these players have. Um, he saw that the Louisville roster was depleted and there was a cultural problem there. And, you know, he just started a rebuilding effort at Purdue, and I don't think he wanted to take that on. So at the end of the day, you know, money talks, of course, you know, but like, you know, uh, Brown made a lot of promises to a lot of people that he was going to stay at Purdue. He's told that to a lot of parents. He's told that to the players. He's on the, you know, Rondale Moore went on the record after the Indiana game and said that Brom told the players they don't have anything to worry about as far as him going to Louisville. And, um, you know, it, he stood by his word, you know, like Scarface said, all I got in this world is my balls and my words. So, you know, in the area, in, in the 
era of mercenary head coaches. Jeff Brom is that one guy, you know, who can who can sit there and say, you know, commitment means something. And I think that's going to bode well for him in the future and his recruiting efforts when he sits down on a kid's couch. Um, just a huge loss for Louisville, a devastating loss. Brom is the one guy who could have came in and took over the program. He could have competed with uh, Kentucky. He could have flipped a couple of guys from Purdue. He could have flipped Wandale Robinson. He could have flipped Milton Wright. I have that on good authority, but that's all out the window now. Milton Wright's going to Purdue. Rondale Moore's staying at Purdue. Wandale Robinson's most likely going to go to Kentucky. They're going to have to stave off Nebraska. A big boom for Kentucky. They're going to probably end up with J.J. Weaver, Jared Casey, all these big-time in-state recruits, and and. Louisville is literally going to be left empty handed and they have nine recruits right now. It is, you could not think of a more doomsday scenario for the Louisville Cardinals football program at this time. And the new athletic director, Vince Tyree, he's going to have a, a uphill battle going forward for sure. That was an incredible monologue to the question of what's next. <laughs> at Louisville. Unfortunately, your your microphone sounds about as bad as the football situation at Louisville right now. So I don't know if your gain is up too loud or or what's going on there. We can revisit this. Let's uh, let's do the picks. I was instructed by Woody picks at the top of the show, and we of course dropped the ball there uh, and launched right into this. So let's get to last week's picks, and then we'll we'll touch on Brom again in a second, and maybe what we will do there. You managed to go one and four last week in the picks, which again, is, at least I'm consistent. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, I I went two and three, which is not great for me whatsoever. Um, but on the season, you are two and eight. <laughs> I am 25, 16, and one. And let's make this quick because I'm going to be real honest with you and the people listening. This has been a terrible day, a long day with rankings calls, and I am ready to get in and out of this podcast. So first up, Utah and Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Utah is getting five points here. This seems on paper like it should be a blowout. I'm going to take the Huskies because, you know, Utah's still rolling with the backup quarterback with Tyler Huntley being hurt. I think Washington has more talent at a lot of positions. Uh, and I think they're coming off a high of beating Washington State in one of the most insane blizzard games I've ever seen. Give me Washington to win this by a touchdown. Yeah. What you got? Well, since, uh, since I'm terrible at picks, I'm just going to follow you on this when they go with Washington. Um you know, I, I like the Utes. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is my guy. I wanted him to go to USC. Didn't. But, um, yeah, Utah really uh, killed me on the Washington State pick, uh, really ruined my Saturday night. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go with the guys that if you can't beat them, join them. So I'm going with the Huskies. To be fair, I think you would have maybe won that had an end, the blizzard not come. <laughs> I mean, that, hey, who could have seen that coming? Well, it did. Game two. Is Oklahoma and Texas. The Sooners are eight-point favorites in a rematch of a game that Texas won the first time uh, at a neutral site. This will be also be played in Dallas at a neutral site. Who you got? I'll let you pick this one first because I think this is the most intriguing game of the of the five. I got four words for you. Okay, cool. Hook them. <laughs> All right. So you're going to roll with Tom Herman here. Any particular reason why? Well, it's hard to beat a team twice, but um, Texas is rolling with their offense and they're getting eight points. So give me Texas with the eight points. It is so hard to score with Kyler Murray watching that West Virginia game. There, there were points I was sitting at home watching it and they would just throw the ball up in the air and they trained you to assume that somebody would be running with five, five yards of a cushion, both teams. I don't think that Texas is going to be able to score with Kyler. I, the way he's playing right now, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like we're going to see another game that scored in the 50s, and I feel like Oklahoma can cover the eight points because I don't think Texas can score with them the way West Virginia did. So uh, I'll take the Sooners. Okay, so you, you cleared that up for me because when you said it's hard to score with Kyler Murray, I thought you were talking about it's hard to score for Oklahoma with him. I'm like, no, nah, it's quite easy, but no, I get it. <laughs> no, no, point, it's hard to match him, touchdown for touchdown. It's hard yeah. to run with that boy, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, think, I think Oklahoma can cover this. Now, the, here's an interesting one. The number five team in the country, Georgia, is a 13 and a half point underdog against Alabama at a neutral site. I said this on Twitter. If if Alabama covers this, what are we even doing? If they're two touchdowns better than the number five team in the country, I I, I don't know what we're doing here. We might as well fast forward to Clemson versus Alabama in the title game and play it. I'm going to take Georgia. I think every team is susceptible to a bad game. 
I think that Alabama is yet to really be tested this year. I can see this being a close game in the fourth quarter and either Georgia winning outright or Alabama pulling it out late. So give me the dogs. You're going with the dogs. Which I know is insane because I continue to bet against Alabama and I continue to lose. But I will continue to do so. I think Alabama is 21 points better than any team in the country um, for the most part. Wow. For the most part. So give me Bama. I think it's conceivable that Clemson can beat them, but we can get to that. I think it's conceivable that Oklahoma can score on them. It's the uh, you know the old unstoppable force versus the immovable object. So I, I don't want to fast forward to Clemson. I want Oklahoma to get in over Ohio State because I want to see what that Oklahoma offense can do against that Alabama defense. But I'm going to go with Bama to beat the Dogs by two touchdowns. They're only getting 13, so give me Bama. Oklahoma should, the way the rankings shaped up, right? Oklahoma should get in over them. I mean, it seems like they're ranked above them right now. So if they both win and Oklahoma beats a higher ranked team, it would be pretty hard pressed for for the committee to flip them, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're you're speaking logically. Is there any logic with the committee? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and piggyback on you and your logic there. I agree. Um Ohio State lost to uh, the mighty Rondale Moores and the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, they got stomped, and uh, Oklahoma's only loss was to Texas, which they can avenge and win the Big 12. So um, logically speaking, I think Oklahoma gets in there over Ohio State. But uh, we're, we're leaving this up to uh, you know the, the people in the committee, Condoleezza Rice and them. Is Condoleezza still on there? Is she uh, studying film for the Browns job? Yeah, she's, the, she's, the, she's the head coach of the Browns, I believe. <laughs> What happens if what happens if Alabama loses to Georgia? <laughs> they both get in, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and Ohio State get left out. I would, I cannot wait to see the SEC bias cry. Should that happen? I <laughs> hope it happens. I mean, look, look you, you're not going. Okay, so so Alabama loses to Georgia by you know a touchdown. You're going to tell me that Alabama's entire body of work isn't more impressive than anybody else's anyway? And then you're going to no, lose- they're both getting in no matter what. Yeah, Georgia can no. win by thirty points, and Alabama's still getting in. Yeah, well, you know us. We're SEC honks over here, so of course we're agreeing on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying they should, but it's definitely happening. Like, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, what should and shouldn't is, but it, just like Oklahoma fans are all in my Twitter mentions yelling about Kyler Murray, and I'm like, I'm not saying he shouldn't win the Heisman. I'm just saying he's not going to. Right. I, I mean, it's should he? That's a different conversation. But if you think that if Alabama goes undefeated, that they're not going to give two of the, the Heisman, you're insane. The next game is Clemson getting. A 28-point favorite against Pitt, who preseason nobody thought would be in this game. 28 points a lot for a title game. I understand the, the talent differential here, but who you got here? I got Clemson. I think they're going to win something like 55 to 20. No respect for Pitt. No, much respect for Pitt. You know, that as a Philadelphia native, you know, I, I got love for little brother, but not in this one. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not going to bet against Trevor Lawrence. I think Clemson can cover this. The defense is too good. They've got the better quarterback. I think position for position, it's just going to be too much. That's not to take away from anything Pitt has done this season because they've been impressive, but they are a product of a weak division, I believe. Yeah, no disrespect, last game. No disrespect to Pitt, but Yin's going down. You know, <laughs> well, look, Yin's has got athletes. They got some guys. I mean, they've got and they continue to get them out of Florida now. I I think the future's bright up there. It's. It's interesting what they've been able to do, especially down here, the way they've recruited. They're getting those like third and fourth tier guys that, you know, a lot of times we go to places like Louisville. Pitt's getting those dudes now. Yeah, well, uh, uh, and we saw what Louisville did well, when they had those guys. You know what? That may be in the future, but the present is a gift, and the odds makers are gifting us a Clemson uh, money. Clemson money, all <laughs> I day. Agree. take it. All right. Ohio State, a 14 point favorite over Northwestern, another team that is preseason was not supposed to be in this game. Who you got here? Well, I want to say that Ohio State's going to play down to their level of competition as they seem to do all year. But if I have to put money on it, I'm going to go with them to cover the 14-point spread against Northwestern. No knock on Northwestern. The, they're, they're like the perennial uh, Big Ten West champs, ain't they? I mean, they've won they've won 10 games over the last uh, four seasons. They're, they're really good. And, and Fitz is a great coach. Um, I, I, my heart says take Northwestern to cover the spread, but my pocket tells me go with Ohio State. So you will be taking Ohio State. Yes, sir. Fitz is one of the more perennial underrated coaches in the country. You know, we hear so much about Matt Campbell and Jeff Brom and all these guys that have done, you know, more with less. 
And it doesn't feel like you really hear his name in that conversation so much. Maybe it's because everybody knows he's at his alma mater and he's not going anywhere. So he's never going to really be a hot coaching name. But I think he's a better, I mean, I think he's a more proven, more interesting coach than both of those guys, especially Campbell, who I just don't understand the obsession with. I'm taking Northwestern. Will they win outright? Probably not, but I still don't trust Ohio State. I just don't. I I don't. Maybe it's the Purdue loss that stuck with me. Maybe it's the fact that they really have struggled with some teams that they've beaten and had to pull it out late. I just, I can't explain it logically. I, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't trust them. Uh, They could win this game, and they probably will. But man, two touchdowns is a lot for a team that's looked relatively inconsistent for most of the season. So give me the Wildcats. All right. So what are we left with now? Mish, uh, we're left with who? That's it. That's it. That's it. What about Those UCF? What about UCF? I didn't put them in because I thought we would pick the power fives. Uh, what are, I can look up that spread real quick. We can add them. We're added game. UCF against Memphis. I Hold on. I grabbed the spread right here. I Without Mackenzie Milton, which – you know, UCF fans destroyed me on Twitter tonight for suggesting that maybe they didn't look as dominant uh, with the backup quarterback as they do with Milton. Let me see what the spread is here. You're always getting destroyed got, on Twitter. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, we've made UCF fans into like, I don't know. They are, you want to talk about a hair trigger on the internet. And I don't blame them. I mean, they've been getting disrespected by reporters for two years now. And so any sign of a slight, even if it's not actually a slight has turned them into, you know, <laughs> has turned them into just monsters on the internet. They remind right, so the me line of, is three. Uh, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. I was going to say they remind me of FSU in like 2013 or 14, but yeah, where everybody's out to get them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The line's three UCF. What do you think? This is a, this is a tough one. Admittedly. Give me Memphis. I'm taking Memphis to roll. Wow. So you think the undefeated era is over? Yeah. I think McKenzie Milton is everything for them. I mean, that's that's such a huge loss. And I think I think that um, UCF has a lot of athletes, but it all centers around McKenzie Milton's playmaking ability. So UCF fans, jump in my, my mentions. I'm Rivals Dave. Go ahead and troll me. Get, you know, destroy me. Don't take the heat from – you take the heat off Rob because it sounds like Rob's about to pick UCF. And he's probably right because I'm usually wrong. So it is what it is. I am going to take UCF and I will probably be wrong because the only reason I'm taking UCF is because I've made so much money on this team over the last two years that I feel like it would be almost disrespectful for me to turn my back on them now. <laughs> you know, when the, when the going gets tough, I don't jump off the bandwagon. Scott Frost and has made me a lot of money, and so has his replacement there from Oklahoma, whose name has gotten away from me, the former Oklahoma quarterback. Who is the head coach at? Josh Heupel. What is his name? Josh Heupel. Thank you. Uh, they've been great to me. I'm going to stick with them. I think that you mentioned the athletes. I think they have better athletes than Memphis at most positions. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think UCF can cover three. So. All right, there it is. There you got it, folks. Don't listen to me. Listen to Rob. <laughs> I want to get back real quick on to Brom passing on Louisville, and let's get in and out since we already did – uh, a monologue at the top of the show. Who's next? I mean, where do you turn now? Maybe they've made a hire by the time this comes out tomorrow afternoon. Who knows? But, you know, where do they look? You know, if, what are you hearing and, and who do you think is next on the docket? Well, I've heard Luke Fickle's name mentioned by a lot of pundits. Um, that's not happening according to a source at Cincinnati that I – who is near and dear to my heart. Um, I think Luke Fickle is going to turn that down um, and and wait it out at Cincinnati. Um, Neil Brown is an interesting choice. Um, you and Woody have talked about Troy on the podcast before. They're a team that kind of gets all the guys who don't get to go to Alabama and Auburn. They play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, uh, Neil Brown has done a good job with them. Uh, he's won 30 games over the last three years there. He has ties to Kentucky. He went to Boyle County, the Rebels. Um, that's about an hour away from here. He coached at um, Kentucky under, uh, I think it was with, uh, Mike Leach at that point in time. Um, he runs the Air Raid, and um, he turned that into what's called the NASCAR while he was at Texas Tech. It's called the NASCAR offense. It's a variation of the Air Raid. It's wide open. They throw the ball a lot, but his defenses usually perform well at Troy. Um, he has recruiting ties at, in, in Kentucky, obviously, so he can compete with um, the Vince Morrows at Kentucky, um, and he can also compete with Jeff Brom and them uh, dipping into Kentucky. He also has connections in Ohio and 
and Michigan from his time at Kentucky. He also has connections down in Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama, and uh, a spattering down in Florida. Obviously, these are not Power 5 guys that he's getting, but he does have Jacob Free, the number one rated JUCO quarterback, committed to him at Troy at the moment. Now, now, Rob, Jacob Free is a guy that you're familiar with, right? I am. I am very familiar with him. And I remember him from when I covered the state, the great state of Alabama. He was in that all-star game that I'm getting ready to go to. Right. And he committed to Vanderbilt and then he went to Juco route. He actually had an offer from Louisville. Petrino liked him a lot and he chose Vanderbilt over Louisville back in 2017. Why, why did he end up at Ju- Juco? Do you know? He just, I don't think he did. He never made it on campus to Vanderbilt. I don't, I, I think don't he know. did. And then he, I think he made it on campus and then he either wasn't going to get the job or something didn't go the way his plan and he left. And instead of just sitting out a year and doing nothing, he decided to play at Juco. Right. And he's in Mississippi. I think it's Northwest uh, Mississippi Community College. Uh, apparently, all the community colleges are either in Kansas or Mississippi for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, California. Uh, there's one in Brooklyn. That's pretty good. And I mean, yeah, but mostly those are the, those are the two hotbeds. I think you got to make a call to Satterfield at Appalachian State. I think – I. I don't know if you can get him. I mean, like I said, this could easily turn into a Tennessee situation if they don't get somebody in there soon. Because if you're if your alumni are turning you down, the job doesn't look to I mean, after everything that happened with the Papa John stuff, it just has not been a good year for them. This is not an easy sell <laughs> to to a coach with options, you know, and Satterfield has it will have options. I think Neil Brown would be a good hire, all things considered, right now. So I think if you can get him, you take him. He's done well at Troy. He's thirty-four and sixteen there in four years, which you know is not bad at all, considering they were four and eight in his first year, right. uh, and now they've won eleven and they're on pace to win ten games again this year. If you can't get him though, then we start getting into a Tennessee situation. I think. Well, and also and, he, here's the thing about him, right? He's also low budget. I mean, he's making eight hundred grand a year right now, so you're not breaking a bank for him. You can bring in top notch assistant coaches and recruiters to put around him, which I think would be a. Uh, uh, something that's very valuable for Louisville because they don't recruit well under they they were terrible under Petrino. Um he's only 38 years old as well and he's been a head coach for 4 years now. I mean, he's trying true. He's just an up and comer so you don't know what you got with him. I I think I would press hard for him. Why don't you think Satterfield would consider also, I'll tell you this much, if I'm any if I'm if I'm Neil Brown's agent or Satterfield's agent, I'm going to say, "Hey man, you know, Jeff Brom belongs to the first football family of Louisville and he turns y'all down so we're gonna need at least three million to start talks right because <laughs> nobody the reason to- i don't think they can get satterfield is because i th- maybe they can i'm not saying they can't i'm just saying i could foresee a situation in which they couldn't is because he's one more good year away from having a pick of stable jobs and not having to go to louisville which does not look stable and from any from any distance right now with petrino leaving with Everything that's happened there, how bad they looked on the field, all the stuff in the offseason and having to strip the stadium and having people having that talk about race and Papa John and all of this, it just does not look like a stable situation. It does not look like an easy place to recruit to right now. It's going to be very hard to sell a dream there to a bunch of players that just watched your team look pitiful all year. And they have and I think Satterfield is in enough of a position to where if he can wait one more year, maybe he's Scott Frost Jr. and everybody in the country wants him. So if he has any foresight – I could see him being hesitant. And I'm not saying Louisville can't get him. I'm saying that the case can be made for why he would be hesitant to take that job. Well, they threw $5 million at Brom. So, I mean, money talks. Yeah, they're not $5 million at, at Satterfield. I, maybe they are. Maybe they are. <laughs> they're scrambling right so. now. Hey, scramble drill, brother. You know? <laughs> well, you know, they can always call John Gruden, which <laughs> – Hugh Jackson all day. Speaking of insane coaching hires, let's transition to North Carolina, please, because this (laughs) pleases me greatly. What in the world was that? I want to go through the Twitter mentions of North Carolina fans and find the ones that were mocking Herm Edwards last year when he got hired, because this is on par with that, right? I mean, no. Let me ask you this. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about this in a different way. If Mac Brown and Herm Edwards were the only two coaching candidates available in the world, which one would you hire? Um, if I if I missed on Herm Edwards, I'd just suspend my football program for a year like UAB. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right. Let's try to – Have you listened to Mac Brown, the commentator? 
<laughs> yeah, he does have the he does have the football accent, which might help him in the South. You know, he sounds he sounds like a football coach. But like I said, let's just not dismiss this. Let's try to imagine a way that this works. So what's what's the line of thinking? Do you think like the conversation when they decided to target Mac Brown and hire him? What what's in the pros column? Give me another famous Dave Blackford pros and cons list. What would be in the pros column for hiring? Okay, um, former coach, so he's familiar with the program and the fans remember him. You know, the old guys with the money that are buying the season tickets and the box seats, right? So maybe they're like, oh, yeah, good old Mac is back. He's going to take us back to the glory days of – was Lawrence Taylor there under him? Dude, you got me, man. I wasn't alive. I don't know, man. I used to live in North Carolina back in the, the Natron Means era, back in the 90s. So I don't know where Mac was. I, I assume he was in Texas at that time. But – um. Another pro is that this doesn't turn into a Tennessee situation. <laughs> they basically, instead of making Phil Fulmer the AD, they just made him the coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, um, I guess, I, I don't know. I don't know. No one, tell me a kid that was born in, where are we at, 2018? So a kid that was born in 1990. So I guess what, when they were I don't know, not 1990, 2000, right? So, so Mac Brown had Vince Young in 2006, right? So the number one recruit in the country had to be watching football at six years old to remember, you know, the glory days of Mac Brown at Texas. I, I, I don't see any more pros, man. Maybe, maybe you can help me out here. I'm kind of cynical. All right. I guess if when we're reaching here now, don't get me wrong. I, I do not think this is a great hire. I mean. It worked for Herm Edwards, though, but I guess it's, it's no less miles to Kansas, right? Well, I yeah, I like the less miles hire, though. I do um, I okay, so obviously Mac Brown did something that worked once upon a time somewhere, right? He won a Granted, national a championship. Yeah, he's one yeah, of the few active coaches with a national championship. One of the few, one of the few coaches with a one of the few active coaches with a national championship. Put that in the pro collar, brother. There we go. We got three. Uh, I'll tell you what, Kansas and North Carolina are the only two schools with coaches that have won national championships in basketball and football currently. There we go. So Mac's going to show up, you know, to whoever's house with that ring on his finger. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want one of these? You know, blink, blink. There we go. I think that maybe Mac – okay, so he makes a splash with the donors. He's obviously not completely inept at coaching football. I mean, is he old? Sure, but I, I don't think it's likely that he's completely forgot how to coach. Uh, it was bad at the end of Texas, but I don't think that was necessarily a Mac Brown problem as it was a Texas institutional problem. I think maybe he can convince some kind of – get some kind of staff together because people do like Mac Brown. Uh, if you talk around in the industry, a lot of coaches do like Mac Brown. They do respect Mac Brown. I think he'll be able to hire some decent people. Now, granted, I'm reaching here. He's going to have to hire people to recruit because I don't – think at his age, he's going to necessarily be a dynamic recruiter. And I don't think he makes a splash with high schoolers the way he might make a splash with people our age that remember his name. I don't think they, I mean, they've probably heard his name, but I don't think they really know who he is unless he explains Vince Young. And even then it's kind of a stretch. I, I'm struggling here and I'm trying my best to find reasons why this hire might work. And I still can't really figure it out. I think I think it was completely uninspired, man. Well, here's a con. He hasn't coached in five years, right? So what brand does he bring to the table? What kind of system does he run that he can that he can sell to recruits? You know, if I'm Jeff Brom and I go sit in Rondale Moore's house, I can say, look, man, here's what I did at Western Kentucky. I featured a slot receiver. I'm going to get you 103 catches. I'm going to target you 150 times. Um, I coached at your high school, and we're going to run the same offense there, blah, blah, blah. Mac Brown has been in a booth. For the last four years. So what is he going to bring schematically to uh, um, a well-attuned recruit or a handler? Because you know what I'm saying? Like these coaches, these high school coaches nowadays in the hotbeds, they're not the guys driving the recruitment of these kids anymore. Now, that's another thing. Texas is a whole other world. If you're in Texas, the high school coaches still have some say in what's going on. Well, he could dip into in Texas. This area of the world. But good in luck this area of the world, in the South and in Florida especially – uh, and a lot of the regions in the Mid-Atlantic, you're dealing with trainers and you're dealing with handlers. I don't know if Mac is going to – Mac might be a little too old school to want to do that. I could see them clashing. <laughs> and if that happens, I tell you, the head coach at the college doesn't usually win those battles. Uh, if he gets blackballed by some of these trainers, especially in Florida, you can get shut out of this state very, very quickly. And if it's the way it is here in the Northeast to any extent, 
he's going to have some limited recruiting ground if that should happen. Uh, he can still probably recruit Texas. I think he's got some good relationships there probably in place. But then you're asking kids to come halfway across the country for college. And this just is not going to end well. Let's just call it that and move move on. I want to touch on Paul Johnson retiring. He was a guest on this very podcast once. I had a wonderful conversation with him. He's a guy that gets a bad rap. Everybody thinks he's kind of a jerk. He was awesome on this show. He was relaxed. He was one of the more interesting coaches. I felt like we had a good conversation. Uh, if you're interested in digging that up, it was in the very early days of this podcast. What do you think Georgia Tech does? I remember listening to that podcast and I remember um, I was in a Burger King drive through in Tennessee, <laughs> coming back from oh, the geez. North Carolina uh, uh, regional camp. And what was his favorite song? Do you remember? I can't remember much of it. I just remember hanging up and thinking he was really good. I thought he was pretty good. Cool. Some of the other coaches we've had. He was, he was a little salty. You know, he, he, he threw a couple shots at the media, you know. But um, yeah, he was he was def- old. he was definitely pretty cool compared, relatively speaking, to coaches. He was a cool guy. Um, what would does- you keep the option? Would you go looking for an option coach if you were? No, Georgia absolutely you not. It's direction? ridiculous to run the option in Georgia. You're one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country. Why are you acting like you have to run the Tubby Raymond offense? You're not in the well, mountains they, of Appalachia. You have they talent. do have incredibly high academic standards, so it's not like he's recruiting to UGA. Recruiting to Georgia Tech is a little harder because your athletes are limited, not necessarily to a Stanford extent, but yeah. to some extent. Yeah, well, well Stanford has a high um, bar. So does Michigan. So does Purdue. You know, it's it's not like you know. I mean, what, what are we talking about here? You're, we're not talking about the the Princeton offense here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come <laughs> well, on, you're right. You, I mean, I can see why they'd want to stick with it because they did have some level of success with it. Yeah, they did. They almost they uh they were running with Florida State back in 2000 and uh, was that 13? So they, yeah. they they I mean they won the ACC that year and, and they do have a level of success with it but you could still get smart kids to go to Georgia Tech it it's it's not the end of the world it's not like these football players are all idiots there's a lot of football players out there with 3 3.5 GPAs that score 24 on their ACT and if you hire the right coach you can get guys to go there it's Atlanta it's fun you're in the middle of the city you're in the you're in the mecca of of mumble rap and trap music like you can attract kids to Georgia Tech are you kidding me so i i don't somebody once told me that the Lenox Square Mall in Buckhead is the greatest mall in the world to go to see rappers yeah just go to the <laughs> underground you know what i mean go hang out in the underground you know what are we talking about georgia tech won the acc in 2009 they won the division championship in 2008 2009 2012 and 2014 they won nine games as recently as 2016 and you know they went to a bowl they'll be bowling now they haven't been to a bowl game since I think one of the funniest so thing is um, they, they, there's some talk about Brian Van Gorder, right? So Brian Van Gorder was the head coach at uh, Georgia State, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and he, he was talking about beating Georgia Tech, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, we got an offense from this century. <laughs> so <laughs> Georgia Tech goes out there and throws three passes against Louisville, puts up like 66 points on him. It doesn't punt <laughs> in Louisville. <laughs> so people were like, you know, Paul was just hanging on until he could smash Van Gorder one last time and then call it a day. I think an interesting – I saw Ken Wisenhunt's name linked to this job, which I think that's not a good idea. Woody said that too. Woody said they wanted to go with um, – they wanted to go with an alumni. Uh, but you can't just be hiring coaches that have uh, – the last time Ken Wisenhunt was a coach in college football, he was an assistant at Vanderbilt in like – I don't even know when. It's been the 90s? I don't, hold on. Let me look. It's, it's, it's another Herm Edwards situation, whereas – Nobody knows who you are. Sure he can, I'm sure he can call plays, and I'm sure his offense is great. He's the offensive coordinator of the Chargers, for those who don't well, people know. people know who Herm – he coached college football, it was in 1996. I don't think – it's going to be – it's not making a splash. I don't think you need to necessarily make a splash, but I don't think it's going to make the splash they expect. I, I think just the transition from getting so used to coaching the pros – and recruiting is a pain in the butt. It really is. Think about not having to recruit and having players – having to draft your players and not having to worry about going and kissing some person's butt that you don't even know uh, tack on, you know, going to high schools and kissing coaches butts. And nah, it, just trainers. something just that you don't want to do. Just get the, get the handlers. <laughs> well, you know, you probably could be going and asking lunch ladies and janitors. If you believe what these coaches <laughs> say on Twitter, 
I just, it could be, if you're not ready for it and you haven't done it for more than a decade, it's, I think it's something that can weigh on you. Here's why I don't like that higher. I think they should call Satterfield. Here's why you can't. Yeah, I agree with that. Here's why you can't say Herm's not a guy that can recruit. Kids know Herm. Kids, Herm's been around a recruiting circuit for years. He goes and gives his speeches. Uh, who was the TCU quarterback that got locked up or got a charge? Uh, he ended up playing for the Seahawks, and, and he gave like that impassioned speech about, you know, your family's name is on the back of that jersey. Remember that? So these kids know Herm. Herm's around these recruiting circles. That's why Herm can finish out there at Arizona State. So when you talk about Herm being the standard for these ex-NFL guys coming in here, I don't think that you could really draw a parallel to him and Ken, Ken Wisenhunt because Herm's around the kids a lot. He's a mentor and he he's at these camps. He's at the Trent Dilfler things, the opening. You know, he's he's at the uh the the blue gray games and stuff like that. He's he's he was been he's been interacting with the kids for a while. He's been yeah he has he's been around the Under Armour game. That's that's true. But I still don't think people knew Oh, this is a, some great head coach. They know him as, oh, this is the old guy from the Robert <laughs> game. I don't think anybody remembers the, the Herm Edwards you play to win the games, Jets. I don't think kids remember that. I think talking about Trevon Green? I think that, kids, is that who? No, not Trevon Green. It was, uh, man. No, Boykin. Boykin. Boy, yeah, yeah, Boykin, who I loved at the time, but, you know, he was a little bit of a knucklehead. And, and you remember that speech, right? Do you remember that? I do. I, yeah. I sure do. So he's been around, but I think you're right with the Wizen Hunt thing. But, um, Again, you know the head clo- the head coach is not the recruiter though. He's the closer. He's the guy that goes and right. sits on the couch at this time of year. He's the guy that brings him into the office and talks to them when they come to the visit. But you know, it's the people under him that are really your recruiters. That's how these assistant coaches are making their money. You know, like Vince Morrow is the tight end coach at Kentucky. He's not, you know, he's not out there, you know, turning you know boys to men necessarily at the tight end position and sending a ton of them to the NFL. It's not Iowa, but he's a great recruiter and kids like him. And he can go into spaces that a lot of other people can't go into and and get results. So those are the guys you got to hire. So um, I think when we talk about the head coach for a new school, it's not necessarily how he recruits necessarily. It's it's his organizational skills. It's it's is he a motivator? Um, and and can he put down a, a solid game plan and have everybody on the same page? Now, it's important to close as a recruiter. Bobby Petrino could not close as a recruiter. He was terrible. I've seen him in action. Um, but the the key is do you have a guy like Wizard Hunt who can go sit to talk to the handlers and talk the language? Can he go talk to the parents and guarantee that, you know, he's going to take care of, of the kids? He, he's got connections in the NFL. He can get the kids to the next level. I, I think he can definitely do that. So I don't necessarily know that he's not going to be able to recruit because he was in the NFL because he's not the one that's necessarily. I'm not saying he's not going to be able to. I'm saying he's not going to want to. It is annoying <laughs> like i don't think you realize how annoying it is unless you're in it i, no, I, I, I mean, definitely realize how annoying it is trust me i talk to coaches all the time you know and and the best recruiters are the high energy guys the young guys who are out there the go-getters they're trying to get you know that people will talk about you know you're an analyst or you're a ga you're the you're the director of operations or whatever but those are the guys that are out there watching the film getting out there and making the connections with the kids those are the ones that lay the groundwork you know and those those are no, usually, you're right. Those are usually like high energy guys that are trying to actually get jobs to where they're on the field. So as long as you can hire the right people to do that, I think you can recruit well. Now, Wisden Hunt got connections in Tennessee. He's got connections out there in South Carolina, North in Georgia. Carolina. I mean, he's from Georgia, right? So I, I think that he could be a guy. You know, he but he just has to hire the right people under him. Now, this could all be a moot point because he may not get hired. <laughs> but but yeah, I, like I said, there there are a number of names. I, I you know I would like. I think that Satterfield at Appalachian State would be a good hire for them. And I think the Georgia Tech job is miles more appealing than the Louisville job. I think that if you're – even with the academic standards – Especially on that side of the ACC right now, too. You don't yeah. got to face Clemson every year on that side of the ACC, you know. All right. Now, I don't want to – this is not on the budget because it just came to me and you have not seen this. And we don't get serious on this podcast very often. It's always kind of jokey. But we do have a serious topic to talk about. Um it has been brought to my attention that players have been putting the longhorn gesture downwards, <laughs> which is, I just cannot believe that such an atrocity exists in college football. 
You know, it's really hard to, to walk on glass around such a serious topic with so many families affected by horns down out there and so many loved ones that I'm sure a lot of our listeners have lost the horns down disease. Can you believe that the Big 12 has outlawed this? <laughs> Tom Herman or somebody has gone to the Big 12 and said, we can't have horns down anymore. And they the Big 12 has instructed Oklahoma not to do it. Have you seen this? Yeah, I did see it. Uh, we got it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. Oh, real serious. Got to take it real serious. Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's it's like the law of uh, of screenwriting, where if you see a gun in the first act, the gun is definitely going to go off in the third act. Oklahoma players are definitely going to do this, no matter what, and I and dare them to penalize them for it. And I don't think they will, unless it's. The statement that they've released is that it won't definitely result in a 15-yard penalty, but it could, depending which is like the telling context. them not to it, – Yeah, it's depending on the context is what the statement says. Right. That is telling them not to press the red button, right? right? Are you allowed to do one horn down? Like if you put your, your index finger down towards the end zone, that's okay. But if you add the pinky, it's 15 yards. That, that's what I've come to understand. So if I'm a linebacker, right, and I come downhill and I just obliterate the running back in the A-gap – I can't stand over him and do the and do the the horns down, right? Or the you know. But what if I have an interception on the sideline? I throw the ball back to the ref, and like Tom Herman standing there. Can I can I give him the you know? Okay, cool. Hook him down at that point in time. I don't know. That's the question. What if you what if you accidentally like in 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 the field of play? If you're a lineman, you go up to bat the ball down, but you extend your two fingers while you're doing it. Is that a 15 yard penalty? I, I, that's not taunting though. So no, no, it's not. I'm, I'm going to bring my legal analytical skills here. I'm going to, uh, r- read the precedent here, the case law, the, the, you know, I want to interpret the law here. And I think that a taunting would be like throwing it down to Herman or throwing it down to a player. Um, you could throw it down to the crowd too. Cause it said, they said that you can't taunt a player, but if you score a touchdown, you could throw the horns down to the to the crowd. I think that's acceptable. Can you believe that this is an issue? Of course. That this is a conversation that we're having. Yeah, because it used to be what what was the name of it? It was the uh the, the Red River Shootout, right? And we had to we yeah. had to change the name of the Red River Shootout to whatever it is now. I still call it the Red River Shootout. What's it is called it now? Is it just for Oklahoma or is Horns in, in a Texas or like is this is it a, a, a rule only when you're playing Texas or in the Alabama Georgia game. If somebody does the horns down, it's 15 yards. Well, well, well. The How can K- you make a rule just for teams playing against Texas? Well, the Kentucky Louisville game, they were throwing the L's down all day. You know, Benny Snell, your boy, he scored a touchdown through the L's down to the crowd. Now, if we're going by precedent, that's not a penalty because he threw it to the crowd, right? But well, we all know that certain groups are protected, and I think that maybe the Longhorns are protected because so the Longhorns I mean, are protected. You're about to leave you down if you're if you're Florida State. Yeah, I think the Longhorns are a protected class. I think that's what this comes down to. Okay, especially right. in the Big Twelve because they know that if Texas leaves, their conference collapses. <laughs> and they have even been good that long. I mean, they've been terrible. I I I, I cannot. I don't know. Let's make the first live bet in the history of this podcast. All right, let's do it. I will bet you ten dollars, Dave Lackford. How much? Ten dollars. Let's make Ooh, a ten dollar wager. Too rich for my blood, man. I'm a public servant, as you said before, man. Five. Let's go five. Yeah, yeah. A poor <laughs> prosecutor. I, oh yeah, believe right. me. <laughs> All right, let's go five. How many times will Oklahoma be penalized for putting the horns <laughs> down? Let's set. Let's set the over under at one and a half. All right, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the under. I'm going to take the under on okay. that. I will take the over. I think we could see two horns down penalties. <laughs> I think we'll get one. And then and it, it still counts if it's after the game, like late in the game, and somebody on the last play of the game, if a flag is thrown, we're counting it. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's do it. But but in regulation, though, it can't be after the game. You can't throw a flag after the game. So, no. No, but overtime, overtime counts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. Very well. Very well. Okay, um, I think that's all we got. Maybe we should touch on Cliff. Uh, we can touch on Cliff in Tweet of the Week, actually. I thought we were talking about um, USC. Oh, do we do have to talk about them. I wanted to get in and out. Okay, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's make this quick. USC decides not to fire their coach and their, co- and their entire fan base freaks out. I mean, that's pretty much the headline on that, right? Absolutely. Okay, here's the weird thing. Let's get right into it. 
and give me your take. So Lin Swan, who many people forget is the athletic director at USC. He really is. You can look that up. That is a true statement. He ran for mayor of he, – he ran for the governor of Pennsylvania <laughs> too. I met him actually. I shook his hand. So let, let me figure this out. You don't fire your coach, right? And I agree with it. I don't think they should have fired him. I know US, USC fans think they should have, whatever. That's a moot point. But you decide not to do it. Your fan base revolts. So you fire a bunch of assistants, including your offensive coordinator – and now it's Clay Hel- It's up to Clay Helton to sell assistance on, hey, you should come to USC. We'll probably all get fired next year. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about – I mean, you can't do this to the guy, right? Everybody wants him gone. He's His seat is as hot as possible. The entire fan base wants him gone. And then you fire a bunch of assistants and now he's got to go convince people to come there? Um, unless they hire Cliff Kingsbury uh, – Cliff um- – Help me out. Yeah, help me Kingsbury. Out. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. If they hire him as the offensive coordinator and they put him with um, JT Daniels and Amon Ra St. Brown, who played together at the same high school and they'll play together at the same college, um, I think that that offense can take flight and it's going to be fun out there. And I think that can no, rejuvenate the fan base. So that's the hire the that has to be made. But I agree yeah, with you. Just like the Brome situation. If you miss on your first choice, then eh, I don't know what happens. I don't know who you get. Yeah. But, so they basically have to get him. They do. They have to get him. And if they don't, then you're right. You're hiring a bunch of basically lame duck coordinators to play for a coach who's already on the hot seat before the season even starts. And can we talk about T. Martin for a second? Because <laughs> because uh, Tennessee yeah, fans wanted T. Martin, right? He's supposed to be like the next up and coming coach. And there and and um, who was who was on record saying that I believe that he's the next uh, he's going to be the next head coach. He's an innovator, and then he gets. Well, fired. I still think Tennessee should. I think Tennessee should have hired him. I think that what? Would, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily believe in Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but you believe in, 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 in T Martin? I, I mean, I, if I don't believe in either of them, at least, at least Martin brings some sort of like tie to the university. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's going to work under Pruitt and I'm on record saying that maybe I'm wrong. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I, I guess he's the unknown, right? I always kind of assumed Pruitt wouldn't work with T Martin. You never know, but you know, that's not happening. We're not going to sit here and live in hypotheticals. Finish what you're saying. Um, so anyway, I, I how did how, he fell from grace so ungracefully? <laughs> um, but who do they hire at offensive coordinator if they don't get Clint Kingsbury? That's the problem. Nobody. Right I mean, they're going to have to sell. Hey, we're all getting fired next year anyway. So, do you want to come get fired? Come collect a paycheck for you and get fired is not a very good sales pitch. Nope, and that's on Lynn Swan. So, and I told, I said on the last podcast, he's going to have a lot to answer for when they hire the new president. So, you know, Lynn Swan just put himself in the same boat with Clay Helton. I had to look up. I mean, I knew Lynn Swan was the athletic director there, but I looked it up before the podcast just to make sure that was true. And I, I didn't just dream it in some like acid slash fever dream. But no, that is true. He is definitely the athletic director of USC. Which, there you go. All right. There's not much else to say about this. Let's move to Tweet of the Week because I liked this one. And it comes from our social media manager, Trey, who is a friend of the show that we love very much. He sends it over. I laughed pretty hard. And I laughed pretty hard in retrospect. When I got it, I didn't really laugh. Uh, A little bit I chuckled, but just the way it all ended up. So Trey runs the Rivals.com account. He does a great job. He, when I had written, um, I know, Farrell wrote a column about, uh, who to replace, you know, you know, they, they fired their coach and who should, re- who should replace the coach there in North Carolina. And he listed King- Cliff Kingsbury as a character, uh, a candidate. And the graphic that Trey tweets out has got Larry Fedora, who's been fired on one side and Cliff Kingsbury on the other Who side. are both known as hot dads, by the way. Larry Fedora is yeah. a hot dad and Cliff is a hot dad, right? Cliff is a much hotter dad. Larry Fedora is a hot dad and like the dad next door kind of thing. Cliff is like... Cliff isn't even a dad. Cliff isn't married, first of all. Larry's, Larry's, um, like, he, a, Larry's like a G Dilf. And then yeah, Cliff's like and a Cliff dilf. is like the, the movie star dad. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Anyway, so our girl Kelly responds to this picture that's tra- that's Trey made. <laughs> and her her Twitter handle is your girl underscore Kells, K-E-L-L-S. And it's got the female emoji with her hand up, and it says, as a tar heel. I, along with other female Tar Heels, will be more than happy to welcome Cliff Kingsbury to Chapel Hill. I would recommend 
Mitzi underscore realtor to show him houses in the area. Heart. And instead they got Mac Brown. (laughs) 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 Which is just – so I respond to to, to Kelly. Uh, Mac Brown's pretty much the same thing. I haven't gotten that back yet. But poor Kelly went to sleep dreaming of Cliff Kingsbury and got dealt Mac (laughs) (laughs) Brown. Oh, that made me laugh pretty hard. All right. I got a tweet of the week, too. All right. right, Let's hear yours. So after Kentucky obliterates Louisville on their their home turf, right, Um, after the game's over and the Louisville players go to the locker room, uh, Josh Allen, who's going to be a top five NFL draft pick and, you know, running back Benny Snell, they take a picture throwing the L's down. This is staying on brand, on brand for us with throwing things down. They throw the L's down on the Cardinal logo, take a picture and post it on social media, right? So um, redshirt senior um, linebacker London Ayakapoa says, wait, they waited till we went to the locker room to take this? Man, y'all boys are hard, right? And so so uh Josh Allen responds, We don't want to hurt y'all feelings some more. <laughs> Which I think is like the <laughs> ultimate own. Like, like why why is this guy from Louisville even talking on Twitter right now? You just got obliterated. You lost nine straight games, you're giving up 50 points, and you're a part of that defense. And and these guys take a picture, and now you want to go get your Twitter fingers all, all riled up. That that is hilarious to me. Um, I, I think that uh, a certain coach out in Oklahoma State would have a hot take on that. <laughs> um, so that's my tweet of the week right there. I still can't believe Mac Brown is the head coach of North Carolina <laughs> in, the year, in the year of our Lord 2018. This hey man, is- it's crazy season. Embrace it. Love it. Love it for what it is. It is great. You know, we we lose the sweet prince that is Paul. Johnson, Paul, what's Paul's name? I, I just blew Paul Johnson. Paul oh, Johnson. I, I have no name you confidence. Right. I have no name confidence. Yeah, you, started, you were right. You were right about the last, Cliff Kingsbury too. And you, it, you, you know what it is? It's it because out. I'm getting old and senile. Dementia runs in my family, and I think that I'm I'm just like I'm I'm, I'm scared right now for it. But I'm old. I'm forty. You know, I'm a man. I'm forty. But you know. It's, I'm gonna have to get a, a, a name collar <laughs> for when I walk down a block <laughs> with my dog, you know. But anyway, Paul Johnson gets fired. The sweet prince that we all love, and insert him with Mac Brown. You know, uh, you know, Mac has always been pretty nice. He would be a good podcast guest. Don't get me wrong, I like yeah. Mac Brown, uh, and he's Don't great. Think. Yeah, he's great. He's a great, great, uh, you know, commentator and all that. But you know, uh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. To quote Nas, you know, a baby being mo- born the same time a man is murdered. You know, so we lose Paul Johnson, but we get Mac Brown. You know, so it's just the it, the pendulum swings one way and then it swings the other, and that's where we're at in the universe of college football in the crazy season that is the coaching carousel. Embrace it, love it, and we got signing day coming up, so I'm excited. We are running low on time. Do you want to get to Jimbo Fisher's nephew punching a man with a pacemaker? <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe I just said that sentence. But it is true. That sentence is as insane as that sounds. That is a factual sentence. Or actually, it might not be factual. Excuse me. Shoving a man with a pacemaker. Now it's a factual sentence. Yes, yes. So let's let's harken back, okay? Um, to what this we- will be in place of rants and recommendations. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Ransom recommendations will not be brought to you today in order to break down the melee that resulted after a seven-overtime madness game and people still had the energy to fight, you know. Um, so remember, what, what was the fight that we broke down on the last it was a uh, It was a basketball fight in an AAU game, right, AAU where the referees game. were yes. down. And I And I always said – if you ever get into a gang war fight, you have to watch your flank. Watch the guy creeping from the side, right? So um, Jimbo's nephew goes out there, and he didn't punch um, Craig Thorpe. No, he shoved him, though. He, he didn't shoved him, him. And when he shoved him, it, it dislodged his, his pacemaker, okay? And that's not funny. You know, that's like that's serious stuff right there. Uh, crack yeah, through has Parkinson's, and that's a very serious disorder. And you shouldn't be going to put your hands on nobody. But if you put your hands on a guy with a pacemaker, you deserve to catch a right cross to the jaw. You know, hit the sweet spot. You know, lights out. And um, so Kevin Falk, who as an Eagles fan I hate because he just destroyed us on checkdowns in the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the 
Patriots when Donovan McNabb was just throwing up on the field. Anyway, Kevin Falk is still in tip-top shape because, you know, when he threw a punch and landed it on Jimbo Fisher's nephew's jaw, you can see his, like, midriff. The guy still has a six-pack, and he's, like, 40 or something, which makes me feel terrible about myself. But um, there was a football – there was a player on LSU's team. I can't remember his name. Do you remember who the player was? I do not. I do not. I only watched this video a couple times. I'm going to let you give the play-by-play. I, I will weigh in a, on, on the larger hole. All right. So anyway, so so um, Falk doesn't really connect that well with uh, Jimbo's nephew. We'll just call him Jimbo's nephew. We'll put it all on Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Shout out to my FSU fans. They'll appreciate this. And so, um, you know, Falk and him are kind of tussling. And then the, the LSU player sees this guy fighting with his coach and he flanks him and he lands a right cross right to the jaw. And um, Jimbo Fisher's nephew has kind of like um, a floby haircut where it's like they, they faded the sides real good, but they left a lot on the top. And after he lands that right it's a cross. Bryce Harper. It's a Bryce Harper cut. Yeah, he's got, he went to super cuts. You know what I'm saying? He said he pointed to the wall and was like, give me the number four. You know what I mean? And so uh, the LSU player lands this right cross to his jaw and like his haircut just turns into jello and it's in slow-mo so the jello haircut is just shaking for like three to four seconds on the top of his head and that's how you know you connected with a white boy with a jello haircut if that thing is just shaking like that like it's an earthquake you know what i mean you better run for uh, a, a doorstop you know what i mean get under the archway so things don't fall on your head because things are shaking but um he didn't drop them so shout out to um jimbo's nephew for for having that, he's got. He does not have a glass chin. I will give that to him. He's a fighter. You know that that bloodlines from West Virginia. You know them boys. They go down in the mines, and when they see the canary die, they get up out of there. You know what I mean? You got to be tough to survive that and pass your DNA on through generation to generation. So um, he definitely took a shot from a uh, a Power Five SEC athlete right in the jaw, and he he kept on his feet. So um, well, look, our boy Cragthorpe is proud of his performance too. And like I said, it's not funny that a, that a guy with Parkinson's got got shoved no but but his post-game quote that, that he gave here to the uh what paper is this the the, the Fort Worth star telegram says i didn't go down but i clutched over craig torp told the outlet i was like damn he got me right in my pacemaker <laughs> which okay that's a, it's a funny quote it's not a funny oh, situation but you, you funny got quote. me right in the pacemaker <laughs> now now <laughs> what are these things Dallas? right in the pacemaker <laughs> believe this is a real thing we're talking about I, I cannot but all right so two things are true here our boy fisher's nephew probably did not know that Cragthorpe, who Cragthorpe was or that he had a pacemaker ah, i mean but, but, i don't i did not know that Cragthorpe had parkinson's i would not be able to pick Cragthorpe out of a lineup i'll get back to but, that later but, i'll get back but, to that but, later. but at the same time Cragthorpe's buddies you know if you're with a dude with a pacemaker and he gets punched you're going to jump that dude. So, I mean, I can see why both sides reacted the way they reacted. Um, I, I mean, it's a really, really sad situation. That quote is really funny, though. I'm sorry. I, he got me right in the pacemaker. Is just a funny, funny line. Cragthorpe you know, is. is very calculated here. This is this is he's setting up a lawsuit against Jimbo Fisher, the seventy five million dollar man, and that oil. <laughs> no way. Oh, absolutely. No, listen, listen. In in tort law, right? There's a thing called eggshell client. That means that you eggshell plaintiff. That means you take the plaintiff as he comes. So if I just push a guy in a chest, I don't expect he has a pacemaker, right? But if the guy does has a has a pacemaker and I am not aware of that and I damage that pacemaker, it doesn't matter if I knew he had it or not. I've done damage to that pacemaker. And if you listen to what he said, he says, you know, it came loose, it shook, I got dizzy, I'm going to go to my neurosurgeon afterwards to make sure I'm straight. If he's got any kind of damage in hospital bills, he can sue him for that. He can sue Texas A&M because he was a credentialed member on that sideline. He can sue Jimbo Fisher. He's got a whole bunch of uh, viable plaintiffs to choose from to get money. So I guarantee you a lawsuit comes from this. No doubt you think about so. it. I think I'm, as a, a lawyer, lot of these football coach uh, types, listen. a lot of these football coach types think uh, don't think that way. I think he that said, they think he that said I'm not tough pressing, to engage in this. Eh, he said I'm not pressing charges. That's criminal. But then he started laying down all the torts law. He started laying down all of the language that fits for a lawsuit. I, hey, hey, listen, listen, Craig Thorpe. I know you're from Louisville. I'm in Louisville now. If you need me, uh, I have somebody from um, from from Texas to pro hock me in and vouch for me to to 
to go ahead and, and take your lawsuit out there because you've got a lawsuit. I'm telling you, he's got a lawsuit, man. Absolutely. This podcast has been missing an attorney. It, that's it's so nice to have you around. I, I know I don't say nice things to anybody very often, but we do love having you here. All right, man. Big hugs, brother. <laughs> Big hugs. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Uh, another fight is in the book. Another podcast is in the book. Another he got me right in the pacemaker is in the books. You want me to take uh, it out next with week? the music? The, we got to get take it out. I will see you again next week when it is you and I, and I think Woody will be back the week after. So I think we've got one or two more episodes of Dave and Rob, and then some order will return. Woody is much better at running the show than I am. I'm a much better second chair. Uh, maybe it'll be the three of us. We'll have some conversations. Take us out. Let's go. Thank <laughs> you.